theyeshiva.net. Page 187, it says Tzadik Dalad on the top, Tzadik Dalad, the second column, Tzadik Dalad Amr Beis, the second column on top, the word starts Vihine, or page 187, 187 on top, Megillah it doesn't say 187, 186 is the previous page, so you know it's 187. In the opening of this Mimer, which began with the words Vayosha Tamalech Esther as Sharvet HaZohov, the second time that the king stretches out his golden scepter to Esther, he addresses the question why the first time around Esther only touches the point of the scepter. The second time around when she comes to the king, actually, he gives her the entire scepter. For this he introduces the concept of Esther, which comes from the word Hester. The Gemara says in Meseches Chulin, Esther minayin, I will conceal my face, which is basically a euphemism, a metaphor, for the Jewish soul, when it is in a state of concealment. Every individual person has moments when his natural fire, when the inner love that he has to Hashem, when the inner passion and craving that he has, even though he certainly has it, it is concealed, that's called the state of Esther. He says there's no question that it's always there. There's no question that the fire is always burning and the love is always there. But to reveal it is a process. When Mashiach comes, he says, and the world and the human being is going to be refined, then it says, Viro Kolbasar. The Nikolakweda Hashem Viro Kolbasar. Everything will be revealed. Instead of Bayoimahu, that day will be in a revealed in a revealed space. To explain this, he went in to uh, discuss the fact that Chazal say, the Medrash says that all the Yom Taivim will be nullified besides Purim, and besides Halachas. What is the meaning of this? Why will Purim not be nullified after the Geula, in contrast to all other holidays? And the uniqueness of Halachas as well, which says, Halachas won't be nullified, also Lasid Lava. So for this he started to explain that on Shabbos and Yom Tif, it's the time when all the Olamas go up and all the sparks go up. There's a light that gets revealed in the world at that time of the year, whether it's a Shabbos, whether it's a Yom Tif, every Yom Tif according to its own energy and its own unique calling. And the Jewish soul, the Jewish spark feels, it detects the light and it adds, therefore to the soul, light and joy and celebration. And the soul gets on fire to connect to Hashem in a deeper way because of the energy that comes out. For example, Pesach, he says, there's a unique Ava that comes out. And as a result of that, it elevates all the souls and it inspires with them, in them in return a tremendous Ava and therefore a commitment to get rid of all that which obstructs the Ava, which doesn't allow you to feel the Ava. In order to be able to experience the Chesed in the Olam, his taich, to experience his chesed in the oilam, you need to be able to make sure that the Mitzrayim is struck inside, inside of you. And for this, he starts explaining the process of the aliyah of a nitzut, the aliyah of a neshama, whether it's on Shabbos, whether it's on Yom Tif, whether it's on a Pesach, whenever it is in a holy day, what is this aliyah? And it goes through a whole process. He goes through the many stages that are defined in the Pasuk and Shir Hashirim, which basically describes the tremendous love 
Al mishkovi ba'leilois bikashti sha'ahav anafshi. Achasti v'loy arpenu. I hold on to the one that I love and I don't leave go of him. Hishbati eschem b'nois yerushalayim ta'iru v'im ta'iru esav. It's all a chapter that deals with love, but then suddenly the pasuk goes on to start describing the process of ascending from the desert. Mizois oylam in amidbar kesimrois ashon mikuteres. You remember, who is it that comes up from the desert like pillars of smoke, incensed with myrrh and with uh, frankincense, all of the powders of the one who makes the perfume. And he says that this basically represents the process of the aliyah, of an ascent of the neshama. The first thing is, there is heavy smoke. There is heavy smoke because whenever you're confronting and burning things in your life that really have to be eliminated, the resistance will create heavy pillars of smoke. That's the first step to get out of your desert, which represents a space of desolateness or a space of dvarim betelem. Then there is the thinner smoke, the more subtle smoke, represented by the cloud, which represents confronting things that are less brute. And then there's mur, which comes from, which is the idea of miridus, the ability to be able to be frustrated from things that you're allergic to. And then there's the levoina, the ability to really be joyous and celebrate. And then there's kol afkas reichel, every soul is turned on by something else. Every person's experience of his slavos is a different experience. This is why in the Megillah, every girl before she comes to the king has to go through shisha chadashim b'shem and amur. Six months in the oil of Meir, and six months in with incense and with the perfume of the women. So he says, spiritually, it means that every neshama has its time when it's summoned to the king. Every soul has its time, its period that it comes to the king. But in order to be able to really come in, in order to really be able to enter, you need the six months, B'Shem and Amar, the wisdom of Mirirus, the wisdom of understanding what to be frustrated about, what not to be frustrated about. The wisdom to understand, to understand what should bother you, what should not bother you. The wisdom to understand what's wrong and what's not wrong, what's your fault, what's not your fault. There's a lot of wisdom in this, maybe one of the deepest wisdoms in life, when to blame yourself, when not to blame yourself, Right? when you're projecting somebody else's issues, when it's your own issues, when you have to take responsibility, when you don't have to take responsibility, when something is serious, when something is not serious. How does that theme connect with Afkas Rochel? That's before Afkas Rochel. Shisha Chadasha B'Shemen Hamar, it's basically the Chachma. Shemen has to do with Chachma, to be able to be B'Bchines Miriris. It takes a lot of wisdom to be able to be frustrated by certain things. And then you find yourself in your Afghanistan. That's the Moir. And then there's the Lavoina, which is the Simcha. Right? And then there's the Afghas Reichel, which is the different types of Islavus and of every of every of every single Jew. So Shisha Khadashim Bashem and Amoir and Shisha Khadashim Bibsamim Uva Samruke Hanashim Obazah Naira Baalamalh. Vihine kol mine aliyaz viskarvas knasis israel akadish barakhubashabas viyamtiv. All the types of aliyas, any type of aliyah, any type of ascent, and every type of kiruv, of closeness, of knesses israel, of the gathering of the Jewish souls to Hashem. 
on Shabbos or Yom Tif, which is the time when the souls and the sparks and the worlds go up. And as much as they climb higher and higher and higher to the highest of heights, which is what we described. You want to get out of the desert. Now this whole, this whole, the Pasuk is basically a description of life. You want to get out of the desert. There's the thick smoke, there's the thin smoke. There is the Mirirus, there is the Levoina, there is the powder, there is the Shemen Hamur, there is the Psamim, there is Tamruke Anashem. All these aliyas, higher and higher and higher, Nikra B'Shem Negiya B'Rosh It's always defined by ultimately one title, and that is you're touching the point of the scepter. There's a scepter, there's a Sharvet, the staff of the king, and there's Negiya B'Rosh HaSharvet. I, this soul went higher and higher and higher, Adiraim HaMailas to the highest of heights. It's considered... It's, it's still titled Touching the Edge of the Scepter, the Rosh Hasharvit. Kisharvit Hazav Uhamshachas Eirin Saif Barucho. The Scepter of Gold represents really the flow of the infinite energy of Hashem. Just like the king is holding a scepter and he stretches out the scepter, which basically is a continuum of his presence, he's sitting on the throne. But the stick, the scepter, continues his presence and allows the person to touch it. So the Sharvit Hazov, spiritually speaking, is Hamshachas Eirein Saif So to speak, the flow of energy that comes from the infinite. And this is essentially the life force of all the worlds, the highest and the lowest. It's all the Chius of Ein Saif. The energy of the Ein Saif, which is the golden scepter. And he says, This is the Pshat and the Pasek, and my Shakasuf. This is amazing. As Sharvet Hazav, Vachaya. The Sharvet Hazav is what gives Chayas. Esther, literally, it means Esther says, What's the Lashon of Esther? She says, I haven't been summoned by the king for the, by the king for 30 days. Yeah. And the klal is, the klal is that in order to be able to live and not die, he has to stretch out his scepter of gold. And I wasn't called So the way she says it to Mardachai, what does she say? You go in, you're going to die. Unless if the Melech stretches out his golden scepter and you live. Why? Because they won't kill you, because he gave you permission to come in. So he touches, Al Pisoy, the Sharvet Hazov, All the Chius comes from the Sharvet Hazov. It comes from the, the, all the Chius, all the vitality, the life force of all the Oilamis, El Yainim and Tachtoinim. It all comes from the Sharvet Hazov. From the flow, from the Hamshacha of the Ein Saif, the light of the Ein Saif. The Ein Yechay Lamalas, Velirus, Lakabal Chius, and Mikol HaSharvet. That's why it says by Esther, Vatiga Biroisha Sharvit. What's Pshat Biroisha Sharvit? Vatikra of Esther, Vatiga Biroisha touches the point of the scepter. Because she can't go up and see and receive vitality from the entire Sharvit. The scepter remains in the hand of the king. But there is a ray that goes to her, that touches her, Biroisha Sharvit at the edge. She can't get the chiyus of the whole sharvet. Because the etzem ha the sharvet itself, as we will see in a moment, 
remains aloof. It remains in the king's hand. What she does get is the lowest edge of the scepter, the part of it that's the most distant from the king. That is what reaches Esther, that's what reaches Knesset Yisrael. That was the opening up, the opening sentence of this chapter. Here in this Maimah, where he says that all the aliyas of all the neshamas to the highest places, it's always vatiga, you're always touching the lowest edge, the lowest end, the bottom end of the scepter. This light that comes through. In the Rosh Hashanah, he prints Ava Aza, Kishve Eish Vishalheves Oilulamaila Zahava Elyon Zahava Tnufa. This is why it's called Sharvit Hazahav. Generally, in Kabbalah, every type of fabric material represents a certain energy. Zahav is the color of fire, so it represents a fiery love. Ava Aza Kishve Eish, a strong, intense, fiery love. Ashalheves, it's a flame. Oilulamaila, just like fire. It goes upwards. Zahav ha'elyon. This is what we mean by Zahav ha'elyon, the higher type of love. So love represents gvurit, represents esh. It's not an ava of kesef. Kesef is ava, but it's a different type of ava. It's ava kamayim. That's a silver-like love. Nichsoif nichsafta lebeisavicha. That's from the word kesef. Zahav is fiery, because it represents a love that is very, very passionate, in the sense, like fire, which is extremely hot and extremely intense. So this is this type of Ava, Zahava Elyon, and he calls it Zahava Tnufa. Zahava Tnufa, of course, is an expression that's used in Parshas Pekudeh, about the Zahav that was lifted up and brought to the Beis HaMehtesh. He's teaching here, what Zahava Tnufa? Zahava Tnufa is the Zahav that lifts somebody up. Zahava Tnufa, it lifts somebody up to Hashem. So when a person feels this sharvit, there's a certain flow of life that he experiences from the Ein Soif, and it expresses itself in a love. But in this sharvit, you have two elements. You have the sharvit itself, and you have katseyu hatachtoin, the roisha sharvit, the edge, the lowest edge. So he says, katseyu hatachtoin, the lowest edge of this sharvit hazov, the part that you're touching who represents when this intense love it burns it fires up it glows when a person is mindful of the truth of the blessed be in terms of when he appreciates when he becomes mindful of the fact that he fills the worlds, and save of Kalam and the fact that he transcends the worlds. That's Katseyu HaTachtoin. And then there is Katseyu HaElyoin, touching the other side of the scepter, the side that's near the king. It seems like there's a serious that she has to do. To get that yeah, well, in the literal story, Esther was risking her life. In the spiritual story, he's describing here the Neshama coming up to the king after the Psamim and the, the Shemen Hamoir and the Samruke Anoshim and everything he spoke before. So when you come, what are you touching? You're touching the end of the scepter. What makes it the end? 
he says there's a strong love, there's a strong zahav here. Right? The person becomes aware of the divine energy and that fires up the soul. So with a craving, with a yearning, with a fiery passion to the Ain Saif. That's why it's not silver, it's gold. As we said, there's the love that's like water and there's the love that's like, like fire. Love like water is a much calmer love. A love like fire is a much more passionate love and it's a love that shatters. You know the difference of the love? Huh? <laughs> yeah, basically fire breaks up everything that comes into it. Nothing can go into fire and remain intact. Right? Water, on the contrary, water is an adhesive uh, substance. It connects things. Yeah? We use saliva or other forms of water to connect. Fire is mavdil. Fire disintegrates. You put something in fire, it right away separates it and always reduces it to its most essential qualities, basically leaves ashes. On the other hand, you have gold, that only to fire water. Right. Huh? Fire can melt together things so But first it melts. <laughs> the first thing the fire has to do is you got to have a meltdown. <laughs> huh? Always, there's a meltdown. Fire first melts. There's two types of love. There's a love in which you remain completely intact. It's a colder love. It's an avakamayim. There's an avakaesh, which is very, very fiery. It's very, very intense. And yes, it shatters you. You're not the same person. The love redefines you. Like all types of fire, it could be very dangerous and it could be very ennobling. Right? It's always the question. It's always a question of what type of love... You know, what's the nature of the love inside of you? What it's directed to? Whom it's directed to? If it's basically escaping yourself because you don't like yourself. What was the expression uh, you said yesterday? Do you love because... uh, Could you say that expression? Or the other way? Do you love to be needed? Or do you need to be loved? So sometimes when a person really uh, despises themselves, they have to melt away and be accepted by somebody else because that's the only way they can experience their identity. And then it could become a very dangerous avakaish because you're completely lost in the process. So that's why ava always has to have the balance between silver and gold, avakamayim and avakaish. An ava in which you retain your identity and then you're capable of an av in which you lose your identity. Now, Zohav is more expensive than Kesef. Zohav is more expensive than Kesef. It's a much deeper, more intense love. So when he says here, the Sharvet HaZohav is that the soul experiences the Chius of the Ein Saif, and therefore, it has, a, so to speak, a certain meltdown. Zahav HaTnufa, the person gets uplifted in the av. But this is all Vatiga Berosha Sharvet. It's Katseyu HaTachlein, it's the bottom edge. It's the lowest end of the sharvet, of the scepter. Why? Not because it's a small thing. Because a person is mindful of two things. Either mamalik kalalman and saiviv kalalman. Which generally speaking, as we discussed this in a few maimarim previously, mamalik kalalman represents the divine energy that fills the world. What do we mean it fills the worlds? Fills the worlds is a metaphor. It's a euphemism. It's the divine energy that is basically, it constitutes... Anybody wants to define mamalik kalalman? Tailor-made. It's tailor made for the person, that's true. 
energy that uniquely drives every... Right. <laughs> it's the energy... It's accessible. Accessible. And I think the key definition is the energy that constitutes the individual identity of every creature. And every creature has its own identity. Yerushalmi says you don't have two stalks of wheat that are identical to each other. Two stalks of wheat have a distinct identity. Never mind animals, never mind uh, uh, human beings. So each identity is unique. Of course, there are common denominators as well. But what drives the unique function, utility, purpose, and essence of every nivra, that is basically a product of mamalik alam. We say the water fills the cup. The chiyus fills the person. It fills the universe. What do we mean it fills the universe? It's that which we can identify. This is my I. This is me. Yes, the me itself has many layers, and sometimes I can divorce the I from the divine. But Mamalakalaman means when you recognize that the true I is a reflection of Mamalakalaman. What's Saiv of Kalalman? Saiv of Kalalman is the light that transcends the universes. Saiv literally means surrounds. It's the infinite light, which is also in the world, and it impacts it. But it's one that you can't relate to on your terms. Why? Because it's not custom made to the unique individual chemistry of the, cre- of the creation. So even though Saiv of Kalalman impacts the worlds and gives vitality to the worlds, but there's a certain aloofness, there's a certain sublimity, it's like forces that exist in me unconsciously and they still drive me and they may drive me more than everything else. Sometimes most of our behavior is a product of our unconscious, not of our conscious. But yet, I can't identify it and point to it and say this is me because it's beyond it's higher, it's more lofty, it's more sublime. This is called Saiv of Kalam. When a person becomes mindful of Elikus, either as Mamale or Saiv or both, each one of them creates a tremendous sense of closeness and tremendous sense of love. That's Katseyu Hatachta. The Katseyu El Yenu, the higher Katse is Kisha Mislahevis, or Mislahetis, may his Bainan Nusoi, Batsmu, Bimuhusi, Batsmusi is Baruch. When the soul gets fired up from being mindful of his essence. No thought grasps him at all. It's an expression of the desire. No thought can grasp him at all. You can't even use the word gedula. Before he said, Gedulas means it's great, it's gigantic, it's, it's amazing, it's unbelievable. It's like, wow. Here you don't even use the word gedula, not mamalek and not that he fills the worlds, not soiv of and not even that he encompasses the worlds. So the katsei ha'elyon of the scepter is the love when a person starts reflecting on what he calls muhusay his core and his essence. Even beyond soiv of and there you can't speak even about godless Hashem. You don't speak about the greatness of Hashem. On the energy that flows from him, which is a ray, a ha'ara, a ziv, a glimmer, you could say it's mamale, you could say it's soiviv, avaligdulosoi, he puts in the word in the Pasek, dafka, avaligdulosoi dafka, ain't chekeksiv. We say in Ashrei, gadol Hashem umuhulom meyoid, ligdulosoi ain't chekeksiv. So usually, if you're thinking about the Pasuk, you interpret it as one sentence. God is great, 
and he's extolled excessively, and his godless cannot be researched. Ein cheker. There's no inquiry that will ultimately lead you to the godless. Says the Balatani, is actually two parts. The Pasuk is talking about two different things. God Hashem Period. Ein cheker. What's pshat? Pirush. It's, one, it's impossible even to start researching and contemplating his greatness. That he's great, and praised. Only when you're talking about the name of Yudke Vavke, Shem because Yudke Vavke already represents that there's a flow of energy that's coming to the worlds. So in Shem Avaya Yudke Vavke, I could say, Godel Hashem, Godel Yudke Vavke, Umuhulal Miyait. Still, it's Godel, it's Muhulal Miyait. He doesn't mean here that you master it and you fully understand it. But I could use the word Godel. I could use the word Muhulal. Aval Kamei Mamish. If I'm talking about Ligdullah Soy, his own true, his own, not Godel Hashem. Yudke Vavke. Ligdullah Soy. Kamei Mamish. In his presence, Mamish. Keloi Mamish Hashivu Ukiilu Einsham Oilamas Klah. With the word Kiilu. If I'm talking about Kamei Mamish, then Keloi Mamish Hashivu. Then. Kaloi Mamish Hashivu is an expression of a Pasuk in Daniel, Daniel Perek Dalit. He's just using that, that form, that expression which he uses often in the Maimarim. Kaloi Mamish Hashivu. It's like, it's not. Kaloi Mamish Hashivu. It's, it's literally like not existing. Ke'ilu ain't shamaylam It's as though there's no worlds. As though. There are worlds, but it's as though there's no worlds. In his presence, Kamei in front of him. Kamei, in front of him in his presence. Kamei Shekosim, on this the Pasuk says, Malachi, Ani Hashem Loishonisi. I haven't changed. So literally it means I haven't changed. In other words, I'm still around. He teaches Ani Hashem Loishonisi as a result of creation. Or we say in the morning before davening in the Karbonus, Va'atu hu koidim shenivre, va'atu acha shenivre ha'ilam. You were there be right after the Shema in the, in the morning, before the Karbanas. You were there before the world was created. You were there after the world was created. Again, how do we teach it? You were always here. He says, no, no, no. Hakol B'Shavah, in the same way. <laughs> Just like you were here before creation, you're here in the same way after creation. No difference. It could have said, What's Atahu? It's the same who. It's the same way you were here before you were after. What do you mean the same way? It's not the same way. Before you were alone. Now you're not alone. Now we're keeping you company. You're not alone. What do you mean? You're not the same. It's a big change. If you're talking about Godel Hashem, yeah. There's Mamale, the Soivev. What do you mean? Of course, I'm a creator. I'm the master of a world. I have a whole world to take care of. It's true. If you're talking about Ligdullah here we don't even use the word Godel. We're not even going to use the word Mamali. We're not even going to use the word Soivev. That's a whole different Pchina. It's Kaloi Mamish Chashiv Kilu Ein Sham Oilam Isklal. I'm not even contrasting if it's tailor made, if it's not tailor made. The concept of worlds is not Shaykh to speak about over there. Not as the filler of worlds. Not as encompassing the words. Because he's completely not in the realm of Oilamus. He's not in the realm of Oilamus. 
On this, the Pasuk says, Godl Hashem Muhulum The Pasuk says in Tehillim, it's actually the Shir Shalyayim of Monday. Godel Hashem Umuhulul Ma'id Bi'ida Lekeinu Harkatshe. Remember the Pasuk. God is great, and He's very praised. We're in the city of our God in His holy mountain. For Amru Razal, on this Chazal say it says in Zoya, fascinating. Amosai Nikra Godel, Shubira Lekeinu. When is he called a Godel? When he's in our city. In other places, he's not a Godel. Godel Hashem Umuhulul Ma'id, when? In our city, in Yerushalayim, in Harkatshe. He's called a Godel. The whole When can you call him a gadol? Why? Because gedula can apply when he's relating to the world, when he's relating to the city. But When you're talking about in his presence itself, you can't say gadol. Why? Because all of the world's the highest and the lowest have no chashivus in his presence. They're not considered something of prominence and significance to the point that you'll say that he's a gadol. Actually, the midah of Hashem that you call midah sagdullah is a form of humility, humbleness. The Gemara says in Meseches Megillah at the end, where you find his greatness, you find his humility. He says his godless is gedula. He, so to speak, clothes himself. He limits himself to be called gedula in a state of gedula. So that his malchus should be able to extend on all the worlds. We say Friday night in Mizmer Ladovit. That for him to be a melech, he has to sit down. Sitting down represents lowering your stature. If you are intact as you are, you're not sitting. Vayeshev means the person lowers his head, and that's how he becomes a melech lo'elam. So what we define as God's greatness is really the antithesis of his greatness. It's really his humbling himself. V'zehu, if you, if you haven't had enough psukim to prove this, he says, V'ata Kaddish Yoishiv Tehillis Yisro. We say every morning, Again, it's from Tehillim. Tehillim Chavbez. You're the Holy One who sits Tehillis Yisro on the praises of the Jewish people. Pirush. Shaliyoischa Tehillis Yisro Lubchines Yeshiva. For you to be able to become a source of praise, you have to sit. You have to lower yourself for us to be able to praise you. Because really, you're completely Kaddish, so therefore we have nothing to say. You want us to talk about you? No problem. Sit down. When you sit down, you could become the praise of the Jewish people. We could say, Godel, we could say, Mohulo. Or whatever else we say, Mamalakalam and Saiv of Kalam and Ain Saif, Akadish Baruch, Ribainashalam, whatever you want to say. That's Katsayu Elyain. That's the top of the Sharvit. All the Aliyas are not there. The Aliyas when we speak souls coming up are always Biroisha Sharvit, the lower end of the Sharvit. So the Gemara says in Masechis Megillah, the end. A beautiful Maimachazah. Wherever you find Hashem's greatness, 
It will always come together with His humility. And what the Gemara literally means is that whenever Hashem speaks about His greatness, He always speaks immediately about His humility. And the Gemara goes to different psukim. Um, it says, Morim v'kadosh eshkain es dakosh faruach. Pasuk says, uh, I am exalted and holy, but I am with the humble, with those who are crushed and with those who are broken. It's not like you have a person who's pompous and arrogant, and therefore there's no humility there. Wherever there's gedulah, his godless always comes with anava, with humility. That's literal pshat in the Gemara. The Balatanya here touches a completely different vart. Not Gedula comes together with Anava. His greatness comes together with his humility. No, no, no. The Makam actually, literally in the words, much Kishmak in the words. The Makam The place that you call Hashem's Gedula, what we call great, unbelievable, or like today, today everybody likes saying awesome, that which you call awesome, really. What it is actually is a tremendous expression of humility, a tremendous expression of, uh, of the ability to completely humble himself and belittle himself. What do you mean? You just said it's great, it's unbelievable, it's powerful. From one perspective, it's unbelievably, it's gedula. But from another perspective, essentially that's anvasnusa. What do we mean that's anvasnusa? What makes it anvasnusa? Restricted his light so that we can sense it. Right. Exactly. If he hasn't restricted his light so that we could relate to it on some level, we have no praise. Not even the praise of infinity. Not even the praise of greatness. All our praises are relative to our experience. So, relative to our experience, we say the Rebbeinishlin created the world. Wow. Look at the universe. Study the universe. And the more you study, the more you're impressed. And after you really study the world, again, as much as we're capable of studying and figuring it out, it's like, wow, who did this all? How does it happen? How does it work? The Rambam says, what's the way to reach Avas Hashem and Yeris Hashem? He says, when you study the world around you, and you study every detail, as the Rambam says, from the, from the planet in the heaven until the Yitush, until the little mosquito, that's in the belly button of the earth, as he puts it, the little mosquito, the tabura aretz, to the furthest galaxy and star, he says immediately the person is, is a real person. It's a transformative experience, both in terms of awe, as the Rambam puts it, and in terms of love, in terms of yira, and in terms of ava, both of them, as he describes in al at length. But for this, I'm contrasting it to the world. In other words, from the world, I can say what God is. So I'm defining God based on the world. Wow, look at this world. That's Mamalakalam. Mamalakalam means I'm defining Him based on the universe. Saiv of Kalaman is I'm not defining Him based on the universe. I'm defining Him based on not defining Him based on the universe. I'm defining Him how? By saying that I don't want to define him based on the universe. I'm not going to limit him just to the force that invigorates me. I understand that there's something infinite here. But again, I'm coming to it in relation to the universe. One is in a positive way and one is in a negative way. One is called Yediyah Sachiyah, one is called Yediyah Sashlila in Jewish philosophy, in the Rambam's works and other works. Yediyah Sachiyah means I define something in a positive way. Yediyah Sashlila means I define it by what it's not. So Sayyidah is a definition of what it's not. 
But even a definition of what it's not is a certain type of definition, because it's a contrast to what it's not. So I know what it is by saying that it's not this. So even though, of course, it's not the same level of knowledge or experience, but nonetheless, I have ISIS for it. But then the Baal says, Hashem Himself, I have no relation to describe in one way, to describe in another way, to describe as big, to describe as small. There's no description and definition that relates to it. So whenever you want to speak about His Godless, remember you're never speaking about Him. Whenever you speak about Hashem is great, you're not speaking about Hashem. You're speaking about the energy that's restricted, that you can talk about it and say that it's great. Whenever I'm experiencing you, it's already the way you're allowing yourself to be experienced by me. So it's never the you. Because the you itself, I can't experience. I have no oisius for it. I don't have a vocabulary for it. And it's not just I don't have oisius for it, I probably don't have the right words. I don't have the concepts even in which to relate to it because I'm always talking about it from the perspective of my experience of life. And because that's the case, therefore, I don't even begin. So this is another type of meditation. This is another type of Izbainanus. This is not the Rosh Hasharvit. This is the other side of the Sharvit. The Rosh Hasharvit is the scepter that comes down that he stretches out so that you can touch. In other words, it's the way that you can touch Alakos. Why can you touch it? Because it's restricted in a manner that the person can experience it on some mm-hmm. level, either as Mamali or Saivav. Mm-hmm. The first edge of the Sharvit, this is already a whole different Pchina. This is Atzmusi Yamahusi, his own core. So on this you say, For him to be able to define himself as a Melech, what does it mean as a king, as a leader of the world? It takes Vayeshev, Yeshiva. What some people, what we call Gdula is really another. Gadol Hashem Muhulomoid. Amasai who Gadol. Only be Iralakainu. In Iralakainu, we could say he's Gadol. Not in Iralakainu. What are you saying he's Gadol? What does Gadol mean? Gadol means what is great. What does it mean great? Yeah, I mean, you could use the word great. But Sahatnish can uptouch. It doesn't have a definition, doesn't have a description. This is the other side of the Sharvit. Where does this leave us? <laughs> Where does this leave us in a relationship? So that we'll see in the continuation of the mind. <clears throat> There's a distinction that the Balatanya makes here between three states. What he calls Mamalik Kalalman, what he calls Soiviv Kalalman, and what he calls Atmos, the essence. And he said, touching the edge of the scepter is basically being mindful of Mamali Kalalman and Saiviv Kalalman, which is always the end of the scepter. The lowest part, the part that the king gives to Esther, and Esther can hold on to the bottom end of it. Then there is the entire scepter, including the top of the scepter, which is closer to the king. That's a whole different type of experience. When Esther touches the end of the scepter... She's actually touching that which is going to give her life. Sharvet HaZohav V'chaya. Because it basically represents the divine energy that infuses life into reality. And that itself can be divided in two levels. Mamala Kalalman and Saiv Kalalman. The beginning of the scepter, Rosh HaSharvet, 
not Rosh Hashanah at the end of the scepter, but the entire scepter, including the Kotzeyu Ha'elya in the top edge of it, right? The part that's near the king, he says that has to do with mindfulness, with his boinunus, in what he calls Muhusay Va'atzmusay Yisbarach, Atzmus, his core, his essence, not Mamalu Kalaman and Sayyavu Kalaman. And over there, he says, no thought grasps it. You can't even use the word Gedula. You can't even use the word of Godel Hashem Umuhulul Ma'oid, which is only in Hashem, not in the Gedula Soy. I'm just quoting again, which is Ein Cheker. And he illustrates this and he gives a few examples. Like he said, he brings a few psukim and a few sources. What we call Gedula is really Anova. What we call his greatness is really his antithesis of greatness, his humility. What we say is so great about God is really, for him, the exact opposite. It's the diminishment of his, of his greatness. What I can identify as great, if I can identify it as great, it already means it's not great. <coughs> Essentially, it's the same theme that I just said in another word, in, if you realized, Right? If you could say something is good, so then <laughs> it's already a much lower level. Remember that. Whenever my brain says, ah, this is good, then it's good. What do I mean? It's good. We're not knocking it. We're not judging it. But it means it's that which my brain can wrap itself around and say, ah, I give my haskam on it. I give my haskam on it. Rebzusha of Anapoli, the Rebbe Rebzusha, the Balatanya sent his Tanya to two people to give a haskama. One, two of his chaverim, students of the Magad. One was Rebzusha of Anapoli, and one was another Jew named Reb Yehuda Leib Hakoyen. Both students of the Magad of Mizrich. Those were the two people he asked for haskama. So Rebzusha, when he finished reading the Tanya, the manuscript, he said, "I made his appella. It's very strange for me. V." How he took such a large God and he placed him into such a small book. But he was saying that it's a pella by him, it's strange. Why? If I'm, say, reading a book and I get every line and I'm like, this is excellent, this is wonderful, right? It means that by definition it's material that my brain is completely at peace with. But what if it's infinite material? What if it's material that shocks my brain? Then I'm going to look at the book and what am I going to say? Boring. <laughs> this doesn't work. This is irrelevant. Why? It's not a compliment. It's not a compliment. Uh, it's, not a, it's not an insult to the book. On the contrary, it's a compliment for the book. They say there was once a Jew who considered himself an art connoisseur. He, was an, he thought he was an expert on art, an expert, but he decided he was a, an expert on art. So he went to the Louvre, the museum, the Louvre Museum in uh, Paris. And he went into one of the very ancient and uh, high-class, sophisticated art galleries. And he's standing, you know, like every Jew stands like this, standing like this, looking at the painting, like objectively scrutinizing them. And he turns to the curator, to the person in charge over there, and he says, uh, in my opinion, this painting, I don't know why it goes for $29 million. It's, it's a piece of junk. There's nothing to it. 
So the curator looked at him and said, Sir, let me tell you something. These paintings are not sitting on trial now. Their power has been established by people greater than you and me. The one who's sitting on judgment now is you, not the paintings. (laughs) Shilas, how much you will appreciate it. The paintings are the paintings. It's fine. The paintings are good. So here is the question. When I call something Gadol, when I say Gadol, the Maise with the Tzemach Tzedek, it's a very deep Maise. His last year of his life, Pesach, there's Yachatz. You know, Yachatz is one of the very interesting things that Jews do. Break the matz, and they have to figure out and make sure one piece is bigger than the other. So some people have a breakdown at the moment. By Yachatz, <laughs> they have conniptions. You mamish have to call out Salah. It's like... Uh, I told somebody to open a business to make matzahs that have some... Today, you don't have to... Yeah, like Blikas Chamas, they already sell you 10 pieces. They could make up some matzah that you should just be able to break it and it should work. I think it would contribute to the experience of being an Orthodox Jew and remove the last hurdle on the pressures that halacha creates. Like we have ready-made Hanukkah candles, we have ready-made 10 pieces of chametz. The last, the last piece that's missing is... Uh, an easy yachatz, an easy accessible yachatz. If anybody's looking for a job, that may be an interesting idea. So this fellow sitting by the seder of the Tzamach Tzedek breaks the matzah and he starts measuring. He starts measuring, you need the godly, you need the cotton, the small and the big. So the Tzamach Tzedek turns to him and he says, A godl vos medafe mestinus can godl a gadol whom you have to measure is Nishkin gadol. He's not a gadol. But there's something even deeper than that, and that's what he's saying here. A gadol that you could measure, a gadol that you could measure is Kengadol-nisht. It's a gadol, but it means if I'm defining it as a gadol, that means it's already in terms that are relatable to my experience and to my experience of what greatness is. And what grander is. Examples when they have ads that show how bright and colorful a particular screen is. It's only as good as the ad is going to be. It doesn't give you an idea of what Right. Very good. Yeah. It sounds like the famous Groucho Marx saying, I wouldn't belong to any club that would have me as a member. I wouldn't belong to a club that would have me as a member. Yeah. They have to say to Jackie Mace. Mm-hmm. I have to say to Jackie Mason, follow up. So, <laughs> you never can get to this place? Huh? Okay, we'll soon see if you can get to the place. But first, we really have to understand this. <coughs> so that's why it says, So the Gemara says, The moment we could call Hashem godless, it already means that He's completely restricted there. He's restricted into some term that I could say, Wow! My wow is his humility. What I could say wow about, even if I say wow, I don't get it, but I'm like wowed. The very fact that I'm wowed by it means it intrigues me. It challenges me. It opens something up in me. If it opens something up in me, it means already it's relatable to my world. It's relatable to my experience. On some level it's relatable. Either it's completely relatable, or it's a little bit relatable, or even it challenges me. You'll sit by three types of shiurim. You could sit at a shir and you understand everything. 
you consider the shear and you understand nothing, but you say there was something very special there. I wish I could understand it. And then you consider the shear and you're not even confused. Why? Because it's too deep for you to even be confused. Sometimes it's superficial, so you get it. Sometimes it's deep, so you don't get it. But you know that you don't get it, and you're like, oh, I wish I could have got it. And then sometimes it's so deep, it's too deep for you to get confused. <laughs> it's like, okay, I mean, why? Not because it wasn't deep, so you're not confused, because it was too deep. It was too deep for a person to be able, even to be able to appreciate that there's something I don't get. It's completely beyond. It's even beyond being beyond. Sometimes something is beyond. You know it's beyond. It's like, whoa, it's beyond me. But it's like right here. It's like right here, you know. And sometimes it's so beyond, it's beyond being beyond. It's not beyond. I have Bechlon, no... Uh... You don't even know that you don't know. Yeah, yeah. So now in life, there's what I know. There's what I know. There's what I don't know. Right? Are there things that some of us don't know? There are some things you don't know, right? I hope so, yeah. But now I want to ask you something else. There's what I know that I don't know. But then there's what I don't know that I don't know. And that's very different. What I know I don't know, I already know a little bit. I know that this I don't know, yeah? (laughs) We were learning astronomy, so we were learning the orbit of the sun, or the orbit of the earth. You know, I don't. I don't get this reasons for the seasons and this, but I know what I don't know. I, I, I could see. I could see. It's interesting. It's fascinating, and I hope maybe if I work on it, I'll be able to know more and more and more and more and more. Then there's things in life I don't even know that I don't know. It's not that I know that I don't know. I don't know that I don't know, and that is most <laughs> of what's. That's most of reality. Most of reality I don't know that I don't know. So what I don't know that I don't know doesn't confuse me. It doesn't challenge me. It doesn't intrigue me. It's so beyond me that it's not even beyond me. So that type of shir I'm not even getting confused by. Why? Not because it's so superficial. Sometimes that's the reason. I'm not, we know that that could be the reason, but I'm talking at the other extreme. Sometimes it's so profound. Now let's get a little more specifically when we're talking about the divine. Let's say, imagine... Uh, Imagine you had to I'll give this Marshall once. You had to prepare a they want to write a tombstone for Professor Albert Einstein. So you write on the tombstone, Professor Einstein. He knew how to tie his shoelaces. Or he knew how to change a light bulb. First of all, I'm not sure he did. But assuming he did, or he knew how to change a doorknob, again, I don't know that he did, but assuming he did, everybody understands that if you would write this on his tombstone, or write a eulogy with these words, you would be the laughing stock of, uh, of all the readers. Why? You might say, it's a very big compliment that he knew how to tie his shoelaces or change a light bulb. My cat can't do it. My rabbit can't do it. Even lions can do it. Even the most sophisticated gorillas and apes don't tie shoelaces, don't change doorknobs, don't change light bulbs. It's a great virtue of humanity. It it demonstrates a quite developed brain and cognitive skills. 
Or you'll say, Professor Einstein knew the timetable. It's not so simple to know the timetable. He knew how much 7 times 8 is without blinking. It's not Pashat. But this would be an insult. Why would it be an insult? The answer is, yes. Legabe your dog, or legabe a one-year-old, or legabe any other animal or creature, it represents intellectual prowess, no question. And it's an important thing that a person develops and knows how to tie shoelaces or fix doorknobs or change light bulbs or knows the timetable. We shouldn't take these things for granted. But let's think about something else. Does this express who he is? Does this express his intellectual creativity? How much percent of his intellectual genius is expressed in these words, he knew how to tie shoelaces? How much percent? I'm asking you. Huh? Zero. Or minus zero. It becomes insulting. You'll tell me that he invented the theory of general relativity, the theory of specific relativity. He won a Nobel Prize. Okay, now you're talking. We have to explain what the theory of relativity maybe is. But you're saying something. You're representing something of his mind. You tell me that he he changed the doorknob, okay? It's actually an insult to him. For the entire animal kingdom, it's very complimentary. You're right. But for him... This expresses not even a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of 1% of his intellectual capacity or prowess or creativity. So now let's ask another question. If somebody writes a biography about somebody, and you'll ask this person, what do you know about him that you wrote a biography about him? What do you know about him? So you'll say, uh, I know him, I know enough. You wrote a whole book about him. What do you know? Yes. His story, you met him, I never met him. You spoke to him on the phone for maybe 30, 40 hours, I never did. Uh, you read about him, no. Uh, did you listen maybe to 900 hours of his speaking so you got to know his flavor? No. Did you read everything he ever wrote? His diaries, his journals, his books? No. So, where did you pick up? Uh, you write a book about him, you, you speak about him. He says, I once saw him, and basically I heard him say, Ha! Ha! That's it, and then I got to know him. So from this you based your book? Yeah. Based on, what do you do? I analyzed how he said it, what it sounded like, how it came out, from which part of his vocal cords he spoke, what he looked like when he said it, and the main thing is how it impacted me. Ha! It was so loud and impact. So I wrote a book on that. Again, this is the la- la- laughing stock. Why is it laughing stock? Not that the person didn't say ha. But I ask you, everyone says ha. Everybody exhales. Ha. How much of your personality comes out in your ha? How much? How much of your brain, your psyche, your soul, your life story, your identity, your inner narrative, how much of it comes out in the ha, I ask you. Huh? Nothing. Minus zero. Does it come from you? Yeah. We all say ha. But what does it reflect? It reflects nothing. In fact, if I were to describe who you are, that ha won't be part of the description. Not that it's not part of you, but it's completely submerged and lost in the totality of your experience. 
Do you understand where we're getting at with these metaphors? The Gemara says in Meseches Menachas, Behei Nivra Olam Haza. The whole world was created with the letter Hey. You know how you say the letter Hey? Ha! Ha Chu! Ha! Okay. So what is the universe? The universe is God's Ha! But those are the biographies we write about Him. Those are the biographies. And those are the tributes we get. What do we call Hashem? Riboinoi Shaloylam. And that's supposed to be a compliment, right? Riboinoi <laughs> Shaloylam. What's Riboinoi Shaloylam? The master of the world. The master of the It's supposed to be a compliment. Well, the Rebbe says it may be an insult more than a compliment. It's a compliment for me. I look at the world and I'm like, you know, God, you're, you're good. I can't, I can't create the galaxies. I can't even create a mosquito. I can't even get rid of a mosquito. <laughs> I can't create a mosquito. I, we can't create a cell. We can't create an atom, a molecule. Put on huh? Some of us can't even put on a doorknob or figure out how it's made or create the metal from which it's made, which is God's product. Yeah? So it's no question... Tying a shoelace is very impressive from a dog's perspective and even from a hippopotamus's perspective. Hippopotamus can't tie a shoelace. But that's Albert Einstein. You say, who is, the, who is God? Give a cook of the veil. Look at the world. No, actually that reflects minus zero. It reflects nothing. From our perspective, it's like, wow, amazing. From his perspective, it's actually a denigration. It's basically defining your personality and reducing it to ha. And saying, ah, that's you. Really? That's me? Why don't you get to know me? Why don't you get to know who I am? I say, that's what I know about you. On the other hand, on the other hand, can I dismiss this? I can't dismiss it. You know why? Because basically... That's the God I can experience. The God I can experience is the God of the Ha, the He Nivroilam Hazak, because basically that's identity. So when I experience my God through my identity, what am I experiencing? I'm experiencing how Hashem's vitality and identity is restricted to the point that it becomes the battery of the universe, the engine of the universe. He ties shoelaces or creates shoelaces. But the engine of the universe is no small thing. It's the engine, the source, the soul, the consciousness, the creative power behind the entire universe. That's So when I look at the engine, Hashem being the engine of the universe, the core of the universe, it's tremendous. In fact, that's the God that I know, that I can experience. I experience Him through me. Mipsari it's my soul. It's like the soul of the body, the soul of the entire universe. But the soul of the entire universe, what fraction of the divine is expressed there? So what we speak about godless Hashem, we say, is actually anvasnusa. It's actually His complete abnegation of self. His suspension of self. It's much more than this. If his self would actually emerge, 
then there would be no universe. Then we wouldn't even be able to speak about identity and about Rebbein Nishalolim. The only reason we can speak about Rebbein Nishalolim is because the restriction, the concealment, the fact that he turned his energy into finite reality that could now give life to the world. Even when you talk about Saiv of Kalalman, what's Saiv of Kalalman? Saiv of Kalalman means the fact that the Ha comes from a source that is infinite, comes from a source that is deeper than the finite experience of the energy, even that, it's already like the sheer that confuses me, that I can already sense it's beyond me and I want to know it, I, I yearn for it. The fact that it, confu- it can confuse me is because I have a sensitivity to it. It's not completely beyond me. It's beyond me, but it's beyond me in a sense that it intrigues me. It triggers me. It makes me curious. It makes me inquisitive. It makes me frustrated. The fact that you're frustrated by the information means you have some access to the information. It means you're searching for more. It means you understand that you cannot define God completely based on your imagination and your identity. On the contrary. Just like we even understand in our own psyche, that which you understand of yourself is, 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 is a very small part of yourself. What you don't understand about yourself is much more you than the, pa- the part that you do understand about yourself. You understand that, right? Because the part that you understand about yourself is the self that lends itself to your understanding of it. It's already the restricted self. The real self, what we call the subconscious and the sub-subconscious or the superconscious. I don't have clear access. It impacts me. It may impact me very powerful. I have glimmers of it. But when I hear about it, it challenges me. Anybody ever had a raw, brutal conversation with you about who you really are? You think you like them afterwards? You think you like them afterwards? Anybody ever ever had a person who looked you in the eyes and told you exactly who you really are? Huh? You're still looking for that person. It's hard to find them. And when you find that person, you think you you think it's easy. You think it's easy to hear these things. Every argument in your mind, you're gonna develop, discover to fight it, to resist it. Most beautiful thing, but it comes with with with, with pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. You have the light bulb. Things emerge, and you're like, whoa. What was yesterday hidden becomes today concealed. It doesn't mean it doesn't impact me. It impacts me more than what I know about myself. What we don't know about us influences our lives much more than we do know about us. In fact, that's why we don't know about it, because it impacts us so deeply, from such a deep place. And the brain doesn't manage to filter it to the point that it makes sense in your consciousness, so it remains aloof. That's a, I'm giving just a marshal for Saif of Kalalman, but this is still how the divine relates to the universe. So it's part of the ha, the behei nivra ilam haza. How can we learn more if all he gave us is a ha? Very good. That's why you have Lakuta Torah. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. That's why you have Torah. It's not Pashat. What? Yeah, much more. You can't compare. We're grouping them in just like we grouped Akudim with Toyo and Tiko. Not that it's not more. Yes, it's infinite. It's not Mamali. Mamali is a divine energy that constitutes the identity of every creation. Mamali means you know God from knowing yourself, so to speak. It's your true self. 
Soiviv is, yeah? The Ein Soiv. Yes, you could say that, yeah. So ultimately, when we're talking about Mamali and Saiv together, it's called Roisha Sharvet. It's the Sharvet that comes down. It's the Hamshacha Sachius. It's the way Alakus infuses the world with identity and with infinity. Identity which is more limited and infinity which is unlimited. That's why this is called mamale. Mamale means it's suitable to the universe. It fits the parameters, just like a seven-ounce cup is filled with seven ounces water. You'll say the water fills the cup. What do we mean fills? We don't mean spatially it fills. Fills means that the cup accesses it. The cup makes peace with it. The cup, get, I get it. The cup gets it. <laughs> the cup and this cup, I get it. Because it's limited to me. It's like that sheer that's fed to you. It's like the baby food that's spoon-fed to you. It goes into your system. Ah, it's kishmak. Because it's completely tailor-made to my identity. It fills me. It nourishes me like a meal. It fills me. Soivov doesn't fill me. Soivov remains above. It remains transcendent. It remains around the cup. Around, again, doesn't mean spatially. Around means it's above my conscious experience. It's still part of me, but it's above it. So the end of the scepter is the seven. So Mamali and Saiviv are both the lower end of the scepter that is communicated into the universe. It's communicated into Esther. Vachaya, it's the source of Chiyos. But what we call the source of Chiyos is really a tremendous obstruction and concealment. It's the Ha. It's the Hey Nivra Olam Olam Hab is a Yud. So it's a Ya. It's the Ha, it's a Ya. Okay. So now you're going to start describing to me this person and make a biography based on this? So this means you could study the universe for 1.1 million years. And you can even unravel all of its secrets, which of course we did not. In other words, we don't even have an understanding of Mamalakalama. We don't even understand what is in the brain of a mosquito. We don't know what is in the brain of a bee. We still didn't decipher the secret of a single cell or a single atom. We still do not understand the depth of the DNA codes within a cell. And that's all the products of Mamale comes. Even Mamale, when I say Mamale, it's still infinite. But let's understand, even if I would understand the entire universe and Mamale, right? I completely did not even begin to begin to begin to access, to have a relationship, to be able to experience the other side of the Sharvet. The other side of the scepter. This is what he calls Atzmusiyah Muhusiyah Baruch. Who actually Hashem, so to speak, is. Not because I don't want to. Because my vocabulary is based on Mamalakal Alman. My vocabulary about God is based on God completely diminishing himself, restricting himself. So I can have a vocabulary. Even the greatest vocabulary. Ain't soif, Godel Hashem, Mamala Kalam, and Saiv of Kalam, and Yishtabach Shmoy. Somebody who is aware yearns more to get to the Ayssa. Yes, relative to Mamali, Saiviv is also more Dichalain. It's all, you know, things are relative. That's called Ziv. 
That's what light is. No, what's light? Light is very important. The light of the sun tells me a lot about the sun, no question. But I'm going to, same question. You write a book about the sun. Okay? You make a website about the sun. Somebody says, what do you know about the sun? She says, I sit every morning in the shear. The Venetian blinds are supposed to be open. And the rays of the sun come into the room. So what do you mean I don't know about the sun? I look at the table and I see the light. Before before this this before Edison came and made us all these problems, most effort in a minute. There's no sun. There's no sun today. Okay. The sun went on vacation. There's still sun even with rain. Sun doesn't stop. The sun never never doesn't arrive for this year. Sun is always here. What? This is nothing. This is nothing. The rays of the sun that illuminate planet Earth. And they illuminate every basement and every home is nothing. It tells you tremendous about the sun. But now I ask you, how much do you know about the sun from the rays of the sun that enter into your dining room? How much do you know about the sun? Do you know something about the sun? Something. Is it true? Is it true that the sun produces these rays? No question. Is it true that the same God who we speak about Atmos, or we don't speak about it, is the God who created every atom and every cell and every mosquito and every salamandra and every frog and every droplet of rain and every flake of snow and every blade of grass and every heartbeat of every child? Of course. But what does it tell me? It's like the ray of the sun. The ray of the sun is powerful, it's significant, it's wonderful, it's awesome, we're thankful for it. But don't think you know anything about the sun. It comes from the sun, no question. But what does it capture of the sun? Not even a fraction of a fraction. That's why the, the expression in all of Kabbalah, this is always, Oyr Ein Saif. Why Oyr? Vasep is light. Always you'll have the word Oyr, 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 Oyr. It'll never go away from the word light. Why? Why this thing with the word light? It's a nice word, no question. It's better than darkness. But why light? You know why he says light? Because of this. Because I'm going to talk about everything, but just know, all I'm talking about is light. What's light? Light means that which is communicated to me, so I should be able to experience it. What I know about the sun is based on the, the rays of the sun. Now I ask you, what happens to that ray in this room, yeah? What does this ray look like in the solar core? <laughs> in the solar, solar is the sun. In the solar core, what does this ray look like? It has a psa. Uh, huh? It's not even a ha. It's not even a ha. MS. It's not going to make it into the news. Not that it's not there. If the ray is here, it's certainly there. But what? What? What is it? It's a one percent. It's a zero point one percent. Much. You can't even say less. Yeah, this is what's called bittel b'metzias. This is what he calls bittel b'metzias. It's not because no. This is the oil in its source. In our world, wow! Look at the sun. In the sun itself, what we're saying, wow! Look at the sun. It's not even. It's not even. Um, it's not. It's not a compliment. It doesn't express anything. But on the other hand, if we would go into the sun, you know, uh, we wouldn't be able to talk about the sun, right? If you're in the sun, you're in the sun. Hashem says, "Hashem alakecha eish oichlohu." Hashem is fire. So he says, "Why is why is Moshe call Hashem fire?" He says, "With fire, it's one of two things: either you stay far away and you enjoy it, 
or you get burnt up in it. There's no such a thing, you put your foot into the fire and you say, I want to experience part of the fire. Either you stay far away, or you get burnt up in it. Well, Shem Tov once said. So, Oyr is a very significant word. Whenever you see the word Oyr, now you understand what Oyr is. Oyr is very powerful, but remember it's Oyr. I'm not talking about Ein Soif, I'm talking about the Oyr of the Ein Soif. Even Mamali, he'll say Oyr. Even Mamali, we talk about Oyr. Everything we talk about Oyr. Certainly, you're talking about Atmos. But now, now, here's the question. Huh? Okay. Where does this leave us? That's why the term Ribayna Shaloylam, yeah, was not often used by the Balatanya, even though it's used a lot in certain circles. How do people in your sh- circles where you grew up, when they want to talk to, about Hashem, what's the name? Riboyne Shaloylam is very popular in some places. Bashefer. Bashefer. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah. And then there's the Eberster. Riboyne Shaloylam is true. But it's really insulting. It's really not a nice name. It's the Ha. Bashefer, the same thing, the Creator. Okay. It's basically, imagine you want to uh, write an article about how amazing your wife is. Yeah? So uh, Yid once told me he was at a Levaya. It was a Svardisha lady, a Svardisha couple, and uh, Almana was there, the Levaya. So at the open grave, she started to cry and she started to say, Ah! How he loved my bereket. Nobody is going to love my bereket like, like he. And this person who was there, a real Ashkenazi, told me, you know, he says, by us, everything is sophisticated. He said it was so primal, it was so real. What she's going to miss is somebody who's going to love her bereket. You know, somebody's going to eat, you know, barakas, yeah? Barakas. Whatever, the horrible food. <laughs> Full of oil and carbs. And, uh, Dr. Michelle can tell you about it. Barakas, if it's barakas, it's a Like a potato knish, they put an egg, they put an cold, cold of a mose. Whatever you could put in to kill you, they put into the barakas. But it's considered an Yisrael. It's, it's got a, it's like chalupsis by some of you. It's kodesh kadosh. It was a very not that bad. It was a very real experience for her. I'm not going to talk about is this barakas. Oops, barakas. It's real. You know what I mean? This is she was crying. It was it was a real experience. It was small, but it was real. What it does for me. So, uh, so, uh, but imagine you want to talk about somebody's life, and all you could say is what they did, something that enhanced you. So it's like talking about the sun, and all you could say is that the ray comes into the room. It's very significant, but I have to realize it's all from my perspective. The, the term that Balatanya would often use is Ein Soif, 
or the Ebershter. Why Ebershter? The word Ebershter, what does it mean? What's the word Ebershter? You say, He lives on the higher floor. So literally, Ebershter, Eben means the higher, higher. Higher. Ebershter, whatever whatever the Havara is, the pronunciation is. Means the higher one. What means the higher? What's that the higher one? There's an important definition here. The important definition here is, I don't know what it is. I'm not even saying creator. All I'm saying is one thing. Wherever I am, it's higher than that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wherever I am, it's higher than that. Now, on the other hand, how can I experience God if I don't talk about Mamali, if I don't talk about Saiv? My experience can only come from that. So now, where does all of this leave us? So there's two questions here. First of all, did God want us to have a relationship with Him or not? Only with ha. Only with a, a, what's it called? A a sneeze. A host. Did He want us to have a relationship with Him or not? That's question number one. Question number two. Question number two is, in terms of our life, in terms of our life, what does it do? Is there some relevance in our life from this? So here, I'm going to say this very, very briefly, and we're going to cross. Uh, we're going to we're going to cross borders here, from the world of of Ruchnius maybe to the world of it's really the same world, the world of psychology. But this is one of the great ideas that Alter Rebbe says, the Balatanya says, and that's as follows: If you understand Atmos, understand. If you understand something about Atmos, you understand one more thing, and that is that nothing could block it. There could be no blockage on that. All blockages dissolve. In other words, and I'm going to quote what he writes somewhere else in the Kutatari Masse when he speaks about this again a few times, and he says, Kula In that space is Kiilu Ein Oilamis. He says here, Kiilu Ein It's like there's no worlds. What do I mean there's no worlds? Why is there no world? Because when he restricted himself, so therefore there is a world, he creates the worlds. The worlds are a reflection of his identity. When you're talking about the core, the essence, so it transcends even transcendence. So ke'ilu ein oilam is klal. What do I mean it transcends transcendence? What's prat ke'ilu ein oilam is klal? You're dealing with a state where it's not pshat that he is be'erich to the oilamus. His oil is mitzumtzum, his oil is restricted. So therefore, now, he becomes a source of the world. You're dealing with the divine itself. Which all we could say about it is, as I said, Eberster. Beyond. Beyond. What do I mean beyond? Beyond even the word beyond. I don't mean beyond as beyond, because that is also beyond. It's even beyond being beyond. But what does that mean? That means, on one hand, you say, so he's so remote. Atmos is so remote. It's so like, okay, fine, so you told me about this. So what do I do with this? But really, it's the other way around. There can't be any blockages over there. There's no blockage. Nothing could block it. 
Why could nothing block it? Memale Kalalman, you can experience a blockage towards. You can experience a blockage of experiencing it. Save of Kalalman, you can experience a blockage. Why can you experience a blockage? Because these are energies that somehow relate to the human experience. So therefore, our experiences can become obstructions of experiencing that energy. We deprive ourselves from experiencing that energy because we're blocked. What about when you're dealing with atzmos? When you're dealing with atzmos, so then, at any moment, in any experience, there's never a blockage, there's no partition, there's no separation. It's the deepest form of intimacy and closeness that is always available because there's nothing that can get in the way. Absolutely nothing. So in a person's life, it would mean this. All trauma that people have don't allow them to live life in a certain way. If a person has certain trauma, if a person has certain abuse that they have to deal with, they come to life with pain. And when they come to life with pain, so that's how they experience life. So therefore, all experience is it's, it's, it's channeled, it's colored through that experience. I can't go away from that. This, this is part of reality. This is where I am. So now, I can't feel the full beauty or the full depth or the full grandeur in every situation because there is a, there's blockages and I have to spend my life cleaning up the system and allowing the flow because I'm experiencing everything through the lens of my trauma. The ultimate, ultimate source of healing comes when you can introduce atmos, Because once you introduce atmos, now, at any moment of your life, in any circumstance, under any conditions, no matter what happened yesterday, no matter what happened 35 years ago, no matter what happened 20 minutes ago, and everything that it triggered in me, in that space... In that space, everything dissolves. Everything dissipates. There's nothing that can remain a real block. There's nothing that could become a mechitza shalbarzel that blocks the experience. When you're in tune with that space, at any moment, what's, you're ava- what's available for you is complete wholeness with complete infinity. Because if Atmos comes into the picture, so then... Your only truth is one truth. What is the truth? The truth is the ray in the color in the solar core. What's the ray in the solar core? Your truth at this moment is your absolute oneness with God. And nothing could take away from that. You say, What do you mean? But I was abused. I was molested. I had this marriage. I have this marriage. I have this experience. You know what type of father, my mother, my youth, my first ma- whatever it is, my wife, my husband, my child, my money, my I'll psychology. Huh? While, it's happening. while the abuse is happening yeah. if you can go into that space fine, but I'm talking about now the aftermath you're right, you're right. But most of us usually when we're abused don't have the serenity of sitting at a shear and analyzing it right? <laughs> if yes we wouldn't be abused we're abused in certain situations now we deal with the aftermath mm-hmm. we deal with the aftermath you're tough is what I'm saying now from the world of Atmos what's the truth of every moment there's only one truth and that's the truth of him himself 
And where do you fit in? You're there. You're, you're part of it. You're not excluded. Everything is there. It's the ray in the solar core. Once the ray left the solar core, now you put up Venetian blinds. What happens to the ray? It gets blocked. So we all have Venetian blinds in life. We don't let the ray come in. Why? Because that's the energy that can be blocked. Why can it be blocked? Because it's relatable to the dynamics of the universe. Once it's relatable to the dynamics of the universe, there could be obstructions, there could be blockages. You could call yourself an addict. You could call yourself an abused soul. You can, all these, and these names are true and important, and you have to deal with these names. However, in the world of Atzmos, what's the truth at any given moment? What's the only truth at any given moment? Let's say a half an hour ago, this is what happened. And let's say 20 years ago, this is what happened. And let's say I come home and this is the type of marriage I'm facing and these are all the emotions that it triggers up and that's why I became this type of person and I look at you from this particular way and it's hard for me to have empathy, it's hard for me to have understanding, it's hard for me to have emotions, it's hard for me to experience life. Why? Because my father was this and my mother was a Holocaust survivor and my uncle was this and my shriga is this. All the reasons we have and it shaped my identity what do you mean it shaped your identity which aspect of your identity did it shape it shaped the aspect of your identity yeah that lives in the world of identity and in that space yes this is very serious or to in spiritual terms it affects your relationship to mamalik alaman but don't you die once you get, get to that level like not gonna be I don't know that you die we'll soon see if you have to die the Maimer is going to say that that's Purim. This Maimer is going to teach that this is the essence of Purim. This is what Purim is all about. That's what Purim is. That's why it's the source of all healing. Adalayada. Adalayada means you have to stop figuring yourself out. So you can get to stage. Not only you can, if he, he wouldn't talk about it if you can't get to the stage. The Alter Rebbe, first and foremost, was an Oyev Yisrael. Before everything, he was, a, he was a leader of the Jewish people. When he speaks about something, he, he's speaking to the people. In his room himself, he could experience this much more than he even writes in the Torah. He says it in the Maimon, trust me. What he's saying here is, how he understood it. He was speaking to Siddim, so he tried to explain it a little bit. So his first and foremost uh, focus in every Maimon is, how do I pick up my people? How do I pick up the Jewish people? So whenever he speaks about these things, it's not because uh, he was sitting in his room and he said, you know what, let me confuse them with another Madrega in Kabbalah. <laughs> Since Kabbalah is not confusing enough, so let's in another Madrega so they'll realize they don't understand anything and they'll go home and feel happy or confused and say, let's go eat Shalom. Yeah? Whenever he talks about this, it's because it's Negei and Avodah Hashem. What are the ramifications in Avodah Hashem? This is very powerful. This is not only powerful, it's the source of all healing. The real source of all of Not to delegitimize other forms of, of, of transitional healing, of working through stuff. That's important. We don't say Mamala Kalalman has to be obliterated from the world and let's forget it and jump straight into Atmos. Because we live in a world of identity. We live in a, we live in a world of abuse. <laughs> and I shouldn't have said that. We live in a world of uh, we live in a world of pain. Challenges. We live in a world of challenges. Very good, Moshe. You're always soft. always to the rescue. <laughs> always making things soft and, and, and relatable. How are you touching the Well the Well if you want me to get lost in it, I gotta know where it is. Excellent. <laughs> How do we touch Atmos? Uh, the truth is like this. If we would have a touch for Atmos, it wouldn't be Atmos. 
That's his point. No, but where, where's the... Um, the word means the core of God on his terms. Now, of course, every word I said, every word I said is... The core of God on his terms. But one second, every word I said is problematic. The core is problematic. God is problematic. You know that, right, Lenny? You know why it's problematic, yeah? Because the moment we use the word God, what is it? And it's not only limited, it's limited to what we were taught when we were two years old about God. Trust me. When people hear the word Hashem, Bashef, Rebbeinu Shleilam, Got, the Eibish, the Dalmechtike, the Heilike Bashef is even better. Shchinag Doisha. Whatever the word is, Eibish, what we're hearing is not the word. We're not, we're hearing what we're hearing. You know what I mean? That's how it is. So, core is a problem, God is a problem. On his is the bigger problem, his, not, not hers. Okay, we're not going to get into the whole feminist thing. But God as masculine is as sensible as God as feminine, etc. Shechina is feminine, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is masculine, Kuchabrichu Shechinta is, is the marriage between the two, Shalom Bayis. Terms is of course also problematic. So you're right, any type of Atzmos is problematic, but what's, what's relevant here is one thing. And that is, in the world of Atzmos, what's the truth of any moment What's the truth of any person? What's the truth of any experience at any given moment in life? Despite anything that happened, what is the truth of that moment? Complete oneness with infinite. It's the ray of light in the solar core. The ray of light in the solar core can say, I was traumatized. I went into their house and they traumatized me. They closed the curtain on me. And the race is there if I can't function. I can't focus. I can't get a job. I have no confidence. I don't know how to educate my kids. I can't love. I was abused. I tried to come in and he closed it. That's why I asked you to open up the Venetian blinds. <laughs> I heard the race crying. You're still abusing him. When Not here. Him. Here we, we he opened up the Venetian Climate blinds. Climate change. <laughs> that's Al Gore. That's something else. That's not our, that's not our problem. Your typhus? But what about the ray in the solar core? What happens to its trauma? What happens to its trauma? Not, what says it gets lost? What says it gets lost? Minimize. The truth of the ray at that moment is what? Intimacy with Hashem. So where's trauma? You're in the most perfect place you can be. You're the most powerful place you could be. Yes, and there's no you as a separate you anymore. But that's where the source of all healing is. You get it? You see it's not so boring? Yeah. Page one page one eighty seven, yeah? Page one eighty seven, Sadik Dalaram at Bay's, the second column. The line starts Hashpala. Okay, we can start the line before. I mean we did two lines before. Va'ata Kadush Yoshif to the Pasuk says in Tehillim Chavbeis, we say it every morning, we say it Mitzvah Shabbos, Va'ata Kaddish Yoshev Tehillis Yisrael. See, Taitches, Va'ata Kaddish Yoshev Tehillis Yisrael means that Shali Yoshcha Tehillis Yisrael Hupchines Yeshiva. For you to become Tehillis Yisrael, to become something that Yisrael praises, Tehillah means praise, 
it's only when you're in the state of Yoshif. For you to be Tehillus Yisrael, that's already a state of Yoshif, of Yeshiva. Which, of course, the difference between Amida and Yeshiva, standing and sitting, is by a person. When a person is standing, so then they are erect in their full erect stature. Their posture is fully erect, Yoshev, by definition, is the person lowering his body to a position where he or she sits down. So he says, Spiritually, this is a metaphor for the fact that you are humbling yourself. It's a form of anova. Because really, even this gather, which gather that you're Tehilois Yisrael, which seems to be the ultimate. Tehillis Yisrael means that we praise you and we praise you infinitely. But really, va'ata Kaddish. What does Kaddish mean? As Rashi says, Kaddish comes from the word Havdala. Kaddishim tiyu, prushim tiyu. Whenever we say the word Kaddish, what means it's holy? There's something sublime about it, transcendent, aloof, higher. Like the word Eibishter, higher. Higher from what? Higher of what? Whatever you're talking about, it's higher. But there's no point where you stop saying higher. In other words, there's no point you say, oh, this is it. Va'ata Kaddish, and that Kaddish is infinite. I, this Tehillus Yisrael, we talk, we praise, we remember that this is all in the, in the realm of Yoshev. Once there's a realm of Yoshev, there's a Yeshiva, here begins the process of Tehillus Yisrael. So generally, all Aliyos of Neshamas Yisrael, Shabbos Yomtev, all this what we call spiritual experiences of a human soul, all the aliyahs of a person, all the spiritual striving of the person, all spiritual awareness of a person, all divine awareness of a person, as deep, as powerful, as potent, as transformative, as an infinite as it is, as he said in the opening of the paragraph, it's negiyah b'roi shasharvet. It's touching the way end of the scepter. Why is it touching the way end of the scepter? Because it's basically my experience of Hashem. My experience of Hashem. And by definition, that is already Yoishiv Tilis Yisrael. Vayeshiv Hashem Melech Lailam. Godel Hashem Umuhulal Miyoid Be'ir Eleikeinu. Be'ir Eleikeinu, you become. You become Godel. Ligdulasoi is ein cheker. Emasayu Godel kshuber lekenu. V'makom shatamaytzi gdulasoi. Shamatamaytzi an vasnusai. For you to be a Godel, you really have to have much more anava than you have to have Godless. For you to be able to become a Godel, it's already our description, our experience. Even if that description and experience is extremely lofty and extremely sublime and extremely transcendental, even not only Mamali but also Soiviv, still we're calling it Soiviv called Almin. There's a relationship to Almin. Mamali is a relationship to Almin and Soiviv is also a relationship to Almin. It's just a different type of relationship to Almin. It's not Mamali, it's not tailor-made, it's not custom-made, it's not so restricted, it's not so finite. It's Soiviv, but it's also Soiviv Kalalmin. It's the infinity that I glean through finiteness. It's the sense of infinity that I come through from the uni- through the universe. It's the sense of grandeur and transcendence that I learn about from the experience of life. And I realize that there's something, there's something, much, uh, there's something much deeper. And the more I get to know you, 
the more I know how much I don't know you. Like in a relationship, a real relationship, the more you get to know, it's a, it's a paradoxical thing. The more you get to know the person, the more you know how much you don't know them. When you don't know people, you think you know them, right? We all do that with people. Right? <laughs> oh, of course I know him. The moment you really get to know a person, really deep, then you ash know that you don't know. Because when you come to deeper, deeper places, these things are off limits by definition. It's not because they're not telling you the secret. <laughs> because there's in every, in every person's life, there's a state of levadai. There is a state of, uh, I'm not going to call it the lonely man of faith. We're not talking about here that concept of the lonely man of faith, but the sense of levade, of aloneness, of exclusivity. Exclusivity. Huh? Uniqueness, yeah, exclusivity. When Nizgov, the Pasik says, the the Medrash says in the Pasik, Vayavase Yaakov Levade, Vayavase Yaakov Levade, Vayavik Ishi Mayadalai Sashacha, Haduhu Dixiv, in Nizgov Hashem Levade, Vayamahu, and Shlaimullah put them together in a song. Yeah? Vinizgov, Vinizgov Hashem Levade. Maybe we can ask them to give us a rendition. Hashem Levade, Vayavase Yaakov, what's the connection? So this is not his own chiddush. The medrash puts the two together. So Degel Machin Ephraim says, Sinai. He says because the levada here is complementary. It's not. It's not levada. You, you know, you're, you're you're a loner and nobody cares about you. It's levada that ultimately there's something in this world that you have to carry alone. Your wife can't carry it with you. Your children can't carry it with you. Not that they don't understand it. Not that they don't support. Not that they don't appreciate. Not that they don't empathize. But there's a certain nekuda pnimis that's that's levada. It's your own, and the more you get to know a person, the more you know their pnimis, the more you become respectful of that nekuda. So in many ways, this is it's actually the other way around. You become respectful of a secret that it's not a secret because they're afraid to tell you because they don't want to be vulnerable. It's a secret because by definition, it's a secret. Real secrets, even if you talk about them, they're still secrets, right? Kaidish akadashim, even if you open up the curtain. It remains Kaidash HaKadosh. For it to be, it has to be a secret. If you take it away from the world of secrecy, it's not it anymore. If you want to give a contemporary example for this, and this is an important example too, although it's not our topic, this would be intimacy. Intimacy, by definition, is a secret. The moment it's not a secret, it's not intimate anymore. It loses its oomph, it loses its grandeur. It's one of the great challenges of our time that it's not a secret anymore. It's be'etzim a secret. The Kayin Gadol going into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, it's a secret. It remains a secret. By definition, it's a site. Torah's HaNister is called Soydus HaTorah. Not because it's not written. You can go to the store and buy it. You can read it. It remains a secret. It, it's By definition, it's a secret. It has to be intimate. It's something beyond. That's... These are, I'm just giving different ices for the concept of soiviv, that you come through memale. Memale also points to something beyond. But that's all still my experience. In the four or five sukkim that he's brought here, to say yeah. the same, the four or five sukkim, the one, the one that's in... Uh, the first was Gadol Hashem Muhulom Yait. The second, of course, is, he'll say that almost every man, Malchus Malchus Kalei that for, 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 for him to be a melech ha'ilamim, it's already a chiddush, it's, it's not the natural state of God. To say that God is a king of the universe is actually quite humbling. The king of the universe. 
as we explained. It's, it's, it's quite gigantic and awesome, if you think about it. You know, the, the, the Lord of the Rings. Huh? From our perspective, it's awesome. Yes, yes. And this one is the only one, where he introduces emphasize for the name of Hashem, he introduces the Shem Elohim. So I'm just curious if that's significant. In other words, all the others talk, they don't it's significant, but it's significant, but not here. Okay. It's significant in other places. It's connected, but not not here. Okay. And the term is Lafanov is Baruch Lashayach Lashon Gedula. Why? Because all elements of Yainu Betachtonim is Kula Kalei Chashiv Kameh. So the very notion of Gedula is already a Putta. If the oil is yainim and tachtoinim had a chshivis, of course it's, it's, it's a tremendous, a tremendous compliment, it's a tremendous praise. It's a godl Hashem, a godless. Yeah, you mean the Gemara Sochem, yeah. Hericha b'tzikik deira, hericha b'tzikik deira. The princess smelled, smelled. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. So he says midas gedulasi is an vasnusi shem eslabish bepchinas gedula. It's almost that gedula is a levush. His definition of Gdullah, what do we mean Gdullah? Gdullah means the ruler of the world, the great God, the, the awesome God, the creator, the boss, the ultimate king. This is like a lavush. It's, it's almost like a suit. You know, you put on a suit and you take off a suit. So you're going to tell me, I'm going to start describing you based on your suit. You put on a suit and that becomes your definition. You, you saw his suit, his suit, his suit, his suit. <laughs> really? You said nothing about me. That's another problem right, we have in the world. Right? A person is completely defined by his lavush. I don't even know who you are. Your suit, you you never looked at me. You don't even know what I look like. All you know is my suit, my lavush. And some people invest a lot of their life into their lavush because... The car. This, or the car, the watch, whatever it is, it, the point is it's mislapish. So, not that a lavush is not important. A lavush is important, but the idea that Gedula, so to speak, is so to speak, it's a lavush. It's a lavush that he puts on in order to be able to have a relationship with the universe, in order to be able to create a universe that looks like the way the universe looks like, and not only our universe, even the most spiritual, lofty universes that completely feel divine energy. But what do they feel of the divine energy? They feel ultimately malchuscha, malchuscha, malchus So therefore, all spiritual experiences in the entire universe and beyond is always negiyah, the lowest end of the scepter. The scepter would be in the flow of energy, which is v'chaya, sharvet hazav, remember v'chaya, the chiyus of all the worlds, but ultimately the sharvet remains in his hand. There is a ray, an energy that is communicated, which is restricted, and that is represented by the edge, the lowest edge of the sharvet, which represents the hamshacha, the flow of divine energy, the way it's communicated, the way it comes down, and this is expressed in a tremendous love, a fiery love, because when a person is mindful of memali kalam and sayu kalam, and it creates zahava tnufa, creates a fiery love, but then there is a different mindfulness that comes from the highest edge of the sharvit, and that's when the person thinks not about memali and sayu, but about which by definition, all you're thinking about is that no thought can really grasp it or define it. No thought can access it because the moment we're accessing it through our thoughts, we are already defining it. In other words, it's the, that aspect of the... Even if we're accessing truth, but we're accessing that aspect of truth that allows us to access it. It allows us to wrap ourselves around it to some degree. 
So therefore, all spiritual experiences always stop by Rosh Hasharvet. Now he summarizes, that's going to be the Avol. However, it's in contrast to what he started in the beginning of the paragraph. It was a long, Which was a long sentence. Which is Shabbos and Yom, not Klein is Achim. Right, right, right. Avala Asid in the future, Yizgala Eir Hashem Begilir Dava Atzim. The Eir Hashem will be revealed with tremendous intense revelation. The Hainu. What do we mean? Hamshachas Elokusi is Barich Vatsmusa Yomuhusim Ibchinis Ani Hashem Loishanisi Hoyahoyve Viyikaregechad. That what will be able to be palpably felt is the sense of his godliness and his core and his essence from what we call Ani Hashem Loishanisi from that state which the Navi says, I have not changed. In other words, creation has not changed me. What do I mean creation has not changed me? Because that element of self has not been altered at all by creation. Creation does not, did not change that. When you speak about Mamala Kalaman, or even Seviv Kalaman, so basically, it's not just creation altered it, it's, 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 it's the divine energy that is responsible for the experience of creation. All creation is divine energy. It's chios. It's God's chios. Sharvit has zohav v'chaya. All the elements come from it. Well, how do you say atu koydim shenivrayelam? Atu laachar shenivrayelam. And as we said, it's the same who. It's not the same who. There's a whole world. Because when you're talking about that space where elements exist, but it's kilo ensham elements, they completely don't occupy any space, and therefore they can't create any obstruction. I'm going to go back to my metaphor. You have the ray of light in the solar core. How much of a fraction of the sun is it? If you take a picture of the sun, are you going to point out and say, oh, by the way, look at the sun. Right there you have the ray that was in our house this morning. Not that the ray is not there. If the ray is here, it's certainly in there. What is the sun? You know how many explosions and fusions happen in the sun? You know what's going on in the sun? And I don't remember, Mamish, but that's what they say. A lot of all the rays are there, but the ray is not toifus makim. That's what he says. Here, who the rays of the sun We crave for it. We wait for sunrise. We yearn for that first ray. When people rise, the rays are very significant. Our planet depends on the ray of the sun. You get rid of the ray of the sun, ooh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We can't survive. The exact distance, we need the light, we need the heat, we need the warmth. We must have it. The ray is amiyuchis. In the solar core, the ray is also there. We're not saying the ray is not there. But Eishis Baral Kimus HaShemayim Vesaretz is not a delusion. He never says, Ein Oilamus. He says, Ki'ilu Ein Shemayim That word, Ki'ilu, is a key word. Ki'ilu Ein Shemayim Klam. He'll never say existence is an illusion. There were philosophies who believed still believe in something called a philosophy called Maya, that existence is an illusion. It's all a dimyan. In the Far East, there are disciplines this way, that basically the purpose of life is to realize that it doesn't exist. Existence is an illusion. That is contrary to one of the Yisaitis of Yiddishkeit. Existence is not a dream, existence is authentic. The very concept of Torah and mitzvahs depends on that. If existence is not true, so then tefillin don't exist. Mezuzah doesn't exist. Matzah doesn't exist. A Megillah doesn't exist. Parchment doesn't exist. Nothing exists. Avoidus Hashem in Yiddishkeit is based on physical material. We don't say it doesn't exist. 
even in the state of Atzmos, his Lashon is, Enoi begeder Alman. He's not in the Geder of Olamas. He says, Ki'ilu Ensham Olamas Klal. Ki'ilu. Well, I mean, Ki'ilu. Ki'ilu means they don't create any type of obstruction. There's no Tfisas Mokkain for it. It doesn't occupy a separate space. Not to give Mamish, not an accurate marshal, but Episastical marshal. I take my child or I take my friend, we go to the Atlantic Ocean, we go to the Pacific Ocean. And I want to show him the Pacific Ocean. So what do I do? I take a cup of water and I fill up the cup of water from the Pacific Ocean. And I say, come, let me show you the Pacific Ocean. And I take him to the house and I say, hey, look at this cup, study it and you'll see the Pacific Ocean. No, am I saying the truth? Yeah, I'm not lying. The water comes from the Pacific Ocean. But did I show him the Pacific Ocean? Did I show him the Atlantic? Did I show him even the Mediterranean? You take him to the ocean, you show him the ocean, even then you didn't show him the ocean. You showed him a few miles at best. Even then you didn't show him the ocean. Not that the water doesn't come from the ocean, the water comes from the ocean. But it's the Chazal have an expression, it's Kitipim and Ayam. Tipim and Ayam, it comes from it. But it's not the Yam. And if you're going to start describing the Pacific based on this cup of water... It's pretty a pathetic description. It's not a lie. The water comes from the ocean. So everything that's in the water is from the ocean. But don't tell me that everything in the ocean is expressed in the water. So all mamali, all soiviv are all cups of water. They're all divine energy. They're real. They come from the ocean. But if this becomes the ocean, this is, this is the ocean. So when we say, Godless Hashem, it's basically describing the Pacific in terms of the cup of water. You typhus? And now when I take, if I take the water and I pour it back into the ocean and I bring you to the ocean and I say, look at the ocean. And by the way, look right there and you'll see the cup of water. Now, it's <laughs> now the ocean is complete. Now finally the ocean has an identity. It's not that it's not true. The water is there and it's part of it. And it's, again, this is of course an inaccurate example because an ocean as large as it is, is limited. It's finite. The Gemara says in Haiti is that Rabbi Yeshua said, I I I I could I could estimate how many drops are there in the sea. I could estimate it. It's not Lamailaminatav. I can estimate how many drops of water are on the sea. It's not the easiest science, but Rabbi Yeshua testified about himself that he can do it. That's why I say the metaphor is inaccurate. But it gives us a little bit of a description. Not that these energies are not true. Of course they're true. And from Hashem's perspective, it's all one. It's not a three things. It's all one. It's all atmos. But our description of it has to appreciate. We have to appreciate the remoteness, the distance. We have to be sensitive to what we are describing. Of course, there is good news. Not only good news, maybe the greatest news, maybe the deepest news. That was our last point in the Shia yesterday, and that is what? That, if this is the case, it means that an ultimate reality, an ultimate reality, there's nothing that can really create a mechitza shalbarzal, a mechitza, a partition, between you and the essence. Meaning, if Hashem chooses the relationship and he chooses the relationship he wants the relationship with you that's the, the holy side of everything 
Bishvili Nivra Ha'ilam, Bonam Atam Lashemalakechem, Hafti Eschem, Omer Hashem, Avas Oilam Aftono, Haboicham Amesoba Ava, Atavachartono, etc. I want the relationship. So if I want the relationship, ultimately nothing, nothing could stand in the way of that relationship. What is our greatest. I, if, I were to, if I were to ask each and every one of you to describe what is the greatest barrier that stands between you and ultimate vacus in truth at any given moment? Myself. Huh? Myself. Okay. Okay, that's the usual suspect. But the, describe abyssal. What did you say? Perception. Your perception. Your perception that what? It's a Gashmi world. Say finish. That I'm on the same plane as that. It's a level playing field that I am capable of perceiving it, like I can perceive. So let me. Okay, perception. What, what do we mean perception? The Gemara says in Adarim, "Ain't oni ella bedeya, ain't asher ella bedeya." Wealth and poverty is always about perception. The Gemara is not trying to say that there's no wealthy people and no poor people. The Gemara knew very well that there were people who had money and there were people who didn't have money. They even have a mitzvah called Matanas Lavyainen because there were people who didn't have money. Right? Just say, you're rich in your mind, you're poor in your mind. I mean, I know it's pop, uh, it's, it's nice to say, you know, it's all in your mind, but it's, sometimes it's also in your bank account. It's not only in your mind. Sometimes, I mean, yes, Oimrim. Yes, Oimrim, that is reflecting the bank account and certainly the bank doesn't know about the Gemara in the Dharam. I tried to explain them once. <laughs> I tried to explain them once, but somehow they, did, they didn't learn the Gemara. They never got the memo. They don't learn Daf Yomi, unfortunately. Not yet. For them, Usher and Ani, you have to actually send a check, not... Uh, so be able to put on deposits. Yes, yes. But, uh, but, but there's a very important idea in Usher, and that has to do with uh, the idea of, uh, of perception. <coughs> what do we mean by Perception that uh, wealth and poverty ultimately has to do with, with our experience of things. Remember, how I, I want to just address this very briefly. How we, live, we don't live in reality. We live in our perception of reality. I'm not sitting... Are you sitting at the shear? Or you're sitting in your perception of the shear? Do we ever even touch reality? We touch reality always through perception. I'm talking to you. I'm thinking. I, I put you in context. I think about you in a certain way, and that's how I access you. I can't access things without awareness. But here's the challenge. The moment I'm aware of it, it's already not it. It's my awareness of it. So in life, we access everything through awareness. And we're aware of two things. First of all, ourselves and the one we're talking to. And both distort truth. Because when I'm in a relationship with you, the first thing I ask myself is, where am I in this relationship? And we're always judging where we are in a relationship. Most of us. We're very self-conscious. I'm this, I'm this. I'm in the mood of you. I'm not in the mood of you. I like you. I hate you. You're the best thing in the world. You're the worst thing in the world. I'm threatened by you. I'm not threatened by you. I'm bored. It's always my perception of where I am in the relationship. I'm worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm capable. I'm not capable. And of course, where you are. It's my perception of you. So it's basically my perception of self meets your perception of self. That's why people say, my people will call your people. So two people never meet. I don't know of two people who ever met. Whenever you meet somebody, be honest. I'm not meeting you. My perception of me 
is thinks that it's meeting my perception of you. And somehow that's called a meeting. But the, uh, what? What if you make yourself aware and not But that itself... So, 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 that, that you, so now you're busy making yourself aware that you're not pre- busy perceiving. So you're perceiving that you're not perceiving. That becomes the reality. Right? That, that becomes our reality. But that is what we call people. That's, yeah, you're right. We don't call people that's people. Why. That's true. We call people images, pictures. We take pictures of people. We have pictures. Especially it's true when you have a deeper relationship, more permanent relationships with people, like in marriage or with children. You're already in a box. I come home at night, you come home at night, I already know, I know you for 29 years, I know you for 17 years, I know you for 13 years. You're not changing, I'm not changing. We just continue the play. So it's just the next scene, and usually every marriage has around 29 scenes, and they just repeat themselves over 50 years. So why do you say it's sort of Judaism so so let's realize everything is the world of perception the world of atmos means not the world of perception the world of core the world of core reality core reality so now if we speak about a spiritual experience any any crisis any challenge we have is always our perception that we're unworthy for example a person says me I'm not interested. Me, I'm not this type. Me, I'm dealing with this. Me, do you know how much anger I have in me? Me, do you know how much trauma I have in me? Me, do you know how much pain I have in me? And these are real experiences that I'm perceiving, and that's how I bring myself into life. So it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once a person could appreciate this idea that the Balatanya is addressing, it means that I could acknowledge that that's all perception. The only truth happening at any moment of existence from the perspective of Atmos is that you're completely one with the core of all reality, with the core of infinity, without even the need to occupy any space outside of it, like the solar ray in, like the, the ray of light in the solar core. That is the, the truth of this moment, the truth of every single moment, no matter your circumstances, no matter your past is, that you are completely one with Hashem. That means the greatest law you can tell yourself in the world is, huh? that's not perception. That's the only thing that's Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing, everything else is... My mind playing a lot of tricks with me. Now those tricks are powerful. And trust me, those tricks have lots of proofs. They'll tell you your whole life story and they'll prove that you're a loser. They'll prove that you're a sinner. They'll prove that you're horrible. They'll prove everything they want to prove about you. And what do they do? They create obstructions. What is the Alter Rebbe teaching us? The Alter Rebbe is teaching one second. He says, I don't understand. If all of life, even divine energy is bottle, legabe, the core. So now you think your trauma or your pain actually can block you from God? When you go into this state, nothing can block. Nothing can block. God, not, but from other people, yes. The same the situation. From my perspective, if I could come into that space, right? So the truth of this moment is that I am connecting with you without anything without any preconceived and defined notions, expectations, and experiences. The person may not be in that state. The person may not reciprocate that, which is 
also part of that. That's also part of reality. That's fine. But what this means is that there's never, there's never a chatzitza. There's nothing. We always live in a world of chatzitza. We always tell ourselves, and especially with young people, this is such a challenge. <coughs> I am the low life. I am, as a Bacha told me yesterday, I am the scum of the earth, he says. Rabbi, you don't know me. If you would know me, you would know how dirty and filthy I am. Right? But I'm not talking about what people say, I'm talking about an internal perception. I am the miserable person. I am the wounded soul. I am the wounded soul. People love those labels. Or from experiences that were very painful, no question. We're not. This is not about judgment of anybody. Don't. This is not judgment. I told you many times. These mymarim don't judge. They describe which state of reality you're in. That's it. The best way to touch this is when you're a child, because then you don't have any perception, and that's the core of your life. If only. No meaning. Yes, in the womb of your mother. If you could have learned this in the womb of your mother, it would have been good. No, yeah. You actually did. Huh? Yes, of course. It's much yeah, of course. Yes, yes, yes. But what about somebody who got educated and every day of his life he heard the same message? You want to tell us again what the message was? Huh? You want to tell it to us in Yiddish? He doesn't seem to be worried about the fact that some people could use this as a crutch. He's like you said, yes, he's full of Abbas Yisrael, which is raison d'etre, but he's not really worried about having used this as a crutch. No, I'm not a low life. Whatever I did, but I'm still connected to the uh, if 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 it's used as a crutch, ultimately it's not used. It's it becomes completely disingenuous because it's a complete distortion, and the person really is not saying anything because this doesn't. A, this doesn't create laziness. It creates infinite empowerment. And if it, if it produces fear to correct my wrongdoings, to be accountable, to say I'm sorry, to do things differently, it means I'm just creating a complete hallucination of a dream that's completely not connected to what he's saying here. No chatzitza means there's really no chatzitza. So that also means that if I need to go over to you and say... I'm sorry, I was a real I behaved like a real idiot yesterday. That also it's 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 fine. I'm completely fine with that. It doesn't change who I am. Yeah. Um, this is the only truth of every moment. So why is it called Why is it called Enchelikalakamimal? Because Chelikalakamimal is already talking in a world of consciousness. In a world of consciousness, you say it's a chelik alekamimah. Exactly like we said about a kudam last two weeks. Yes, same, exactly the same concept. Chelik alekamimah is big, but it's already in a world of consciousness. So you say chelik. Here he's talking. So, so the Shalom Mendel is asking how we connect to that. That's already a wrong question. You don't have to connect to it. That's it. We, the problem is we disconnect from it. We disconnect from it. Because we live, we live in shadows, we live in perceptions. Now, I know this is strange vocabulary. Like, wh- so what should we do? Stop thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today, everyone is into mindfulness. Mindfulness is beginning to scratch the surface of basically stop calling yourself your thoughts. Everybody is busy with their thoughts, and they think that is them. Really, thoughts are not you. They're not you. They're your description of the world. All thoughts come with descriptions. We're always judging everything. That's what thoughts do. 
that's part of it. That's what Trachut Vetzaingut means. Trachut Vetzaingut means core reality connects to core reality. So thoughts are very, very powerful in both ways. Extremely powerful in both ways. But thoughts are always called Levushim. Why a Levush? A Levush never call yourself a Levush. Imagine you start saying, I am this shirt. I am this tie. There's nothing else. You see this tie? This is me. Shamtehe misasi, shamtehe for us, like it says by Arya Miklot. That's a tragedy. Huh? I am the redhead. I'm the gingy, as we spoke about, with anti-Semitism. The greatest lie that we tell ourselves is that we are liars, that we are, that we are, that we're lowly, that we're horrible, that we're detached. That's the greatest lie. It doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. It doesn't mean I didn't sin. I could have done yesterday some terrible things, right? But what's the perspective now? Let me explain to you. The reason I sinned yesterday is because I actually didn't realize this. If I will have realized how close I am, I wouldn't have sinned for two reasons. I wouldn't have wanted to. I also wouldn't be able to. I also wouldn't do anything for me. We, we sin to fill a void. People, the Gemara says, Einadam People don't sin stam. They sin to fill a void. We need enjoyment. We need pleasure. We need distractions. Why do we need to fill a void? Why do we have a void? What are you filling a void from? You fill a void from you feel an emptiness. What's the emptiness that you feel? You feel that you're detached. You're looking for something. So this one eats, this one drinks, this one sins. Yes, that's the problem. You 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 perpetuate you perpetuate that that perception. Yeah, in reality. But again, what aspect of you sinned? What aspect of you sinned? In Atmos, you didn't sin. You understand? What allowed you to sin was your perception of your separation from Atzmos. That's where the Gemara says in the site, The first Ruach Shtus is that you're a Shaita. That's the first spirit of insanity, that you think you're a Shaita. Tahirahi. Tahirah means impeccable, flawless, perfect. So now, yeah. So when that's what he says. When Oir Hashem of Atzmusi is Nizgala, so now what happens? Take a look. So he says, "Viro kol baser be'ene asechel agashmi kelekenu yibchinazekana." All flesh in their mind's eye, but which mind? The physical mind will see alekenu not as by Yoimahu, the beginning of the Mayim has to ask to panu be'mahu, but he nelekenu zekanal vizgalu zeyibetachtoinim dafka lamata. And don't think Atzmus is going to be expressed elsewhere. It's going to be here in Tachtoinim. K'may Shomer Razal al-Posik, K'eis, Yoyma le-Yakov le-Yisrael ma-Paul Kael, from Bilam's prophecy. So the Chazal say on the Posik, now at this time it would be told to Yaakov and to the Yisrael, ma-Paul Kael, what did God do? So the Chazal say, Shemalachi Asharis Yishalu Zois L'Tzadikim. The Malachim will ask to Tzadikim, ma-Paul Kael. What did God do? Instead of them saying, Where is he? They're going to say, His covet fills the presence of the earth. We say in Mishlei, Friday night, the woman of valor is the crown of her husband. The light of God that the woman, the feminine experiences now is called her husband. 
in the future, Aisha's Chayel will become Ateris Baila. The woman will become the crown of her husband. Therefore, the Pasuk says in Amos, Nafla Loisasif Kumpsulas Yisrael. Loisasif Kumpsulas Yisrael. Literally, it's a very negative nevuah. The Median of Israel fell, she won't rise up again. She fell into the abyss. He says, no, Pirish, She won't be able to get up, because she won't be able to get go higher. Higher you could go in Rosh Hasharvit. Today I'm here, tomorrow I'm there. In this place of complete oneness, there's no Kima and Aliyah. You can't get higher from the Mata. You're not going away. It's Eishas Chayla Teres Baila Dafka in this world. There will be the Gili of Atzmus. So therefore it becomes even higher than Baila. Baila represents the divine energy that inspired the woman throughout Golos. Once Atzmus is revealed in this world, now the Eishas Chayla down here is a Teres Baila. Becomes the crown of all the divine energy that was expressed as Mamali and Soiviv. Therefore, Loi Soisif Kum. She can't rise anymore. Why can't she? Why can't she rise anymore? Because there's no greater kima than this. There's no greater aliyah than this. Great, they no, because this is the world that we're when happening in our perception. Now this is mata. This is mata. Vahainu, and the reason is because darkness can be transformed into light. The key differences between the term what he calls Ikafia Sitrachra and Ishapcha Sitrachra. Ikafia Sitrachra means you subdue the other side. From the word Koifa, force, compel. Ishapcha means you transform the darkness into light. It's two very different experiences. In one, I'm struggling with a negative energy, but I subdue it. I prevail over it. I confront it and I rule it. That's called, I'm koife, koife noisa. In a simple example would be, I'm struggling with a terrible, terrible instinct or addiction or craving, and I have to say, no, 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 no. That's called iskafi sitracher. It's a great thing. This is, but then there is means you reveal that there's no darkness. The darkness is transformed into light because there's no darkness. And that's the difference. In the world of Mamali and Soiviv, it allows for perceptions of identities that are very dark. And the best you can do is you become aware of God and you subdue them. You fight them. You confront them. In the world of Atzimus, so to speak, here, the darkness is transformed into light. There's no other side. There's no other dimension. Because it's Ki'ilu Ein Sham Oilam That's why it says, All the nations will be transformed. The entire world will be redeemed. In other words, in the ultimate vision of Judaism, no person is left behind. No creature is left behind. No force is left behind. No element is left behind. It's not like we come here again to the issue of Jews and non-Jews. The polarity of the Jew versus the non-Jew, and the non-Jew as being this hopeless 
creature. This is a very limited perception of Yiddishkeit. Yeah. In the ultimate, in the ultimate recognition of reality, every every member of the human race, and really every creature of the universe, is part of it. It's part of the same oneness. And therefore, this is not the skafia, this is the So the asid lavoi, when what's That will be expressed. There's nothing that blocks it. There's nothing that doesn't fit into it. There's no person or situation that can be said, "Oh, you're unredeemable. This is this is out. You're, you're, you you fell too low." Like people will say, "I'm too low." I'm the lowest of the low. You're you're not so low. I'm the lowest of the low. In the world of all Choshech becomes transformed. Why does all Choshech become transformed? Because when this state of reality is revealed, one sees that there is no darkness. There's no Choshech. So the Choshech is, is transformed into light. Something of this happened on Purim. Usually, in various salvations of history, the tyrant loses. The dictator gets defeated. Here, Achashvedish remains in his full power after the story of Purim. So Achashvedish's heart is transformed. The same mouth that said to Haman, do whatever you want with this people, the same mouth that said to Haman, that said to Mordechai and Esther, write for the Jews the way you wish. The same words he told Haman, Katoiv Beinecha, and he told Mordechai and Esther, Katoiv Beinecha. You're right. So on one level, the Gemara says, Melech Hoya. He was a spineless king. As the Gemara says, he killed his wife for his friend, and then he killed his friend for his wife. That was Achashvedish. On a deeper level, What's being reflected in the story of Purim is It's basically the transformation of Achashverish himself. Melech Hafchefonhoya, we teaches, he's a king who you know, flip flop. He teaches from the word is Hapcha. He's the Melech who, who, who introduced the first time the concept of Hapcha, the concept of transformation. I remember it never says the Achashverosh here. It only says Hamelech. 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 Yeah, Hamelech. What? Tapucha is saying, and the Jewish people. Not you mean Hazinu? Hazinu. Dor Tapucha is saying. It's a people that knows how to transform things. Yes, Hapcha. V'nigla Kvoid Hashem l'matam v'makam Achoshech Dafka. The Venigla Hashem was where in the place of Choshech. In the place of Choshech, in the place of Achashverish, who was Choshech, over there you had a Gili. It wasn't that the Gili Kvayt Hashem happened by subduing him, by eliminating him. That would not transform darkness. That would just eliminate it. It would they, they reject it. And that's just one type of moment. What here is, there's a certain form of transformation. So Me'ain, the Gili of La'asid Lavi, you already have him Purim that there was something of transformation that happens in the place of darkness itself. You reveal that ultimately, darkness is really another form of light. And that's why the darkness can be transformed. It's not you throw it away, you reject it, you destroy it. That's one process of existence. You have to throw it away. That's a skafia. You have to get rid of it. It's garbage. A deeper component is, 
you have to be able to reveal the inside story of the darkness itself. That Choshech is really a distorted version of light. This can only be done with Tzadikoyach Ha'atzmus. Tzadikoyach Ha'atzmus, you could reveal that in the Choshech, the Choshech is really a form of light, even though it's eclipsed. So therefore, when you reveal the light, you don't reject the Choshech Fakert. You sublimate it. You transform it. You metamorphosize it. Because the Choshech itself was really another form of Oyer. That's a whole different type of experience. It's two different phases in the world. One phase is where I reject, I expel, I throw out the Psoilus, I throw out the Choshech, Iskafia. I tell myself, this is not good, get rid of it. And that's phase one. And you can't get to phase two without phase one. Phase two is where you go deeper and you see that those very forces were really containing some powerful secret of redemption. They themselves contain the very deep light that you have to expose. You have to be able to reveal what's inside of it. Sara is Isis Tsoyhar, the Baal says. Sara is the same letters like the word Tsoyhar, which means a window. Um, uh, in Hebrew, we once said, the word for a breakdown in modern Hebrew is Mashber. Rashi brings in Shmois that the word Mashber means a birthing stool. A birthing stool. So what's a breakdown? Is a breakdown a breakdown? Sadly, a breakdown is a breakdown. A breakdown is also a mashber. Every breakdown is a birthing stool. In other words, it's the genesis of a new reality. It's a reality that emerges from a place of choyshech, from a place of darkness. But that means it's a harbinger, it's a, uh, it's a catalyst, it's a springboard for a new reality. It opens me up to new horizons. That means in life, when a person has choshech, there's two ways of looking at it. One is, this is the most horrible thing in the world, and I'm going to fight it, <coughs> which, is, which is big. There's a deeper element, and that is, let me try to find what's inside here. What is the hidden light inside? I want to be able to find what is the light that's inside of this. When you reveal that, what happens is you reveal that there was never fragmentation. There was really unity. It was all part of one unity. That's how it's expressed in practical terms that even the darkness becomes part of the light. So in the world before La'asid Lavoy, there's compartmentalization. That's how you deal with it. It's called war. War. And then there is Nafshi, the concept of a holchu amim or the concept of az that the choshech itself will be transformed into. Rabbi, last year you spoke the first Rashi with this contradiction of Sounds like he had a transformation where the Rashi seems to say it was consistent. Listen, he doesn't say that Purim is Mashiach. He says, Purim. There was a reflection of it in the sense that the same king, in all of his might, using his might to destroy the Jews, the very same might was employed to save and help the Jews. I'm not sure he's saying here that Achashverish's soul went through this whole dynamic spiritual metamorphosis because he learned the Maimur and Torah about who he is. I don't think he's saying that. He's saying that the reflection of Purim, the way it came into the world, was there was a certain element of Atzimus in the sense that the same power that was used to destroy, that power was used to build. 
Let, let's, let's understand. We all, to destroy, you need power. There's no destruction without power. If you can only learn how to use that power to rebuild, you know what power you have? The power of destruction to use to rebuild. There's no power like that. It has all the destructive elements in it. When you use that to rebuild, it's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different chinuch. Which one has a question? There's an expression in chinuch. Somebody, there was a, a yid told me, he went to a principal, and he asked if, uh, about a certain child in the class. So he says, listen, meaning this school is not helping this kid, and this kid is not helping the school, but it's not mazik. It's not mazik. <laughs> Fine, let him be. It's more or less, you know, as we say in Yiddish. So I told him it's really the other way around. <laughs> if there's no element of, of Hezek, <laughs> if there's no rebellious spirit, so then probably <laughs> when you see when you see a force that's rebellious, that's where you'll have the greatest light. It's because ah, it's not broken yet. There's no brokenness, there's no, it wasn't subdued, he didn't die, and there's a spirit there. Spirit has to be harnessed. It has to be harnessed, but when it's harnessed, it becomes a, even, a, even a greater light. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.